0: Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to River Glen. Good to be together with you. Welcome, everybody, in Waukesha, everybody on the other side of the camera in uh, Pewaukee and online, wherever you're uh, sitting right now. So great to have you uh, with us. Uh, We're going through this uh, this new series, or this series called Battle Ready. We've been been going through uh, the New Testament book of Ephesians. We're calling it Battle Ready because everybody faces uh, battles and struggles at every stage. In life, I think if we asked everyone here, what are you struggling with right now? I would bet that 95% of you could pinpoint it uh, right away. Some of you would say it's my job; I don't like my, my, my job, or I'm having a, a health a struggle, or my kid, my grandkid—that's my battle right now. Maybe it's anxiety for you. You know, maybe you're a student and you've got a heavy class load. Right now, maybe it's uh, some uncertainty about the future or loneliness, not finding anybody to uh, date, or battles with fear or insecurity. On and on it goes. Everybody battles something. Today I'm calling the message, I'm decisive, because in those battles and struggles, we have decisions to make, decisions that can help us, or Hurt us. Every day we make hundreds of decisions, and some decisions will affect us for the rest of our lives. Arthur Erwin McManus puts it this way: most of us can summarize our lives around five or six defining decisions. Decisions that if we had chosen differently would have radically altered our lives. True, isn't it? One bad decision can cause years of regret and stress. One good decision can produce a lifetime of blessing. I made the best decision of my life at the age of nine. At the age of nine, I made a decision to commit my life to following uh, Jesus. And Jesus has been my savior, my forgiver, my leader, my source of wisdom, best decision I ever made in my entire life. Second best decision was when I asked Marnie Norton to marry me yeah just a phenomenal uh, decision Uh, not sure on her part but it's been great for for me and it set my those two decisions set my life on a path that would be radically different if I would have chosen otherwise we have a lot at stake in the decisions that we make what college should I go to What job should I take should I go out with him should I go out with her is this the person I should marry how many kids should we have? Is, where's the right place for us to live? Should we, should we rent? Should we own? What is God's will for my life? Making decisions is probably one of the main causes of stress in our, in our lives. Maybe some of you remember these uh, children's books. They're called uh, Choose Your Own Adventure. Remember these? They're very, they're very, very popular for kids. They've got a ton of these at the library. As you go through the book, you have to make decisions. And so, for example, you've got a pack of wolves uh, chasing you. An older woman invites you into her house to escape. If you accept her invitation, go to page 13. If not, go to page uh, 20. You accept her invitation, and you find out that she's a witch, and you're under a spell, and she wants to cook you in a pot of stew. And you're like, if only I would have known. And that's how many people see God's will for their life. It's like they got two doors two options, and one choice leads to peace and prosperity, the other to doom and destruction, and we think, if if only I had known. Now, as you get older, you realize you can go to the back of the book, and you can choose the ending that you really like best, and you can work your way backward, and uh, we're like, if only you could do that in life. I'll tell you, one one of the things that has always surprised me uh, working as a pastor and talking with people, people who are making important life decisions, is how many people make major life decisions based on emotion or coincidence or uh, random chance. Kind of reminds me of one of these toys. Remember this thing here, the, uh, the magic uh, eight ball? You know, this is how uh, some people uh, view God. We want God to be like our magic eight ball where I'm going to ask you a question, God, and I want you to give me the answer, you know, right now, like, uh, you know, God, will people like my message uh, today? Uh, ooh, concentrate and ask again. Yeah, um, I'm going to move on. Uh, uh, God, will the, uh, will the Chicago Bears win today? Um, most likely. Oh. Uh, will it be cold this next, we don't even need to ask. About that one, we know the answer uh, to, to that question, but many people make major decisions in life just based on random chance, emotion, coincidence. And that's why in the next section of the book of Ephesians, Paul tells us how to make decisions that align with God's will and desired direction in our lives to bring us peace and make us battle ready. Take a look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter five, beginning. In verse 15, be very careful then how you live, uh, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Uh, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Uh, Paul says, be very careful to make wise decisions. He says, because the days are evil. Yeah, uh, in other words, this world's not neutral, there is evil in the world. That's why, people, that's why some people lie, steal, cheat, abuse, rape, murder. There's evil in, in our world. And so we're not just battling problems in our homes and families and at work. There's an undercurrent of evil uh, in our world, and that makes our decision-making even more Im- important. And then, Paul, and then Paul says, understand what the Lord's will is. But, but, but here's the question that you know many people want to begin with. Uh, they start with this question, what is God's will for my life? Take this job or that job, move here, move there, go to this college or that college. We want God's specific direction for my life. But I think what Paul is telling us in this verse is that a better question to begin with is what is God's will? Because the answer, you find the answer to what is God's will for my life by first finding the answer to the question, what is God's will? I've been reading a, a, an interesting book. It's called The Four Wills of God. The author says that there are four places in the Bible where it specifically says, this is God's will for your life. He says, if you want to know God's universal will for your life, it's contained in these four verses. And so I want to just take a quick look at these four verses. The first one says, believe in the one he sent, for it is my Father's will. That all who see a son Jesus and believe in him should have eternal life. In other words, God wants every person. God's will is for every person to know Jesus Christ, to believe in in Jesus. It's God's will for everyone. Second one, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong uh, to Christ Jesus. God God wants you to live a thankful life, a grateful life. Third one, for such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men, and it's God's will for us to submit to the authorities in our lives, to God, to the law, to, to, to parents, and do what is, is right. And finally, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And the author says, these are the four wills of God for every human being. Believe in Jesus, give thanks in everything, submit to doing right, abstain from sexual sin and if we do these four wills then the rest of our lives will begin to fall into place. Think about this. Think about how much difference it would make if everybody did the four wills of God. If everybody believed in Jesus they would receive forgiveness and freedom from sin. They would have the Holy Spirit of love and joy and wisdom. People who, who don't have Jesus and the Holy Spirit are at a major deficit when it comes to making wise decisions? And what if everybody gave thanks to God? It would bring us closer to God. What if everybody submitted to doing what is right? Doing the Ten Commandments. Don't lie, don't steal, don't covet, don't murder. And what, what if, how much human pain could be avoided if everybody abstained from sexual sin? It would keep marriages and families from getting shattered, children from being exploited and trafficked, and people would avoid scarring their hearts and souls with shame and regret. But here's the point the author makes, that if you follow the four wills of God, the four universal wills, God will begin to personally lead you in other areas of your life. God will guide you when making a decision about dating and marriage and career and finances, and and, and parenting, and and, and money. Follow God's universal will, and he will guide you to make wise decisions in your individual uh, lives. Jesus said it this way, But seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Put Jesus first. Live rightly, and all these things that we worry about, Money, school, relationships, career, everything else will begin to fall in place. You put God first, and it triggers God's personal direction to make you wise and decisive and battle ready. Let me illustrate by using the uh, the game of uh, golf. I'm, I'm curious, how many of you have ever played a round of golf, some kind of golf? Yeah, quite a few of you. Uh, I, I like to play golf. I don't play very often, but I do like to play. I've played... Uh, a few times with a friend of mine, an older friend of, of mine. I remember the first time we played, he got up to the first tee. He hit his drive low and about 150 yards right down the middle of the uh, fairway. And I don't mean this disrespectfully, but he plays a type of golf, a style of golf that is sometimes referred to as old man golf or old person uh, golf. He doesn't use a full backswing. And so he got up to that first tee, hit his drive low, 150 150 yards, right down the middle of the fairway, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I can hit the ball farther, and I should have no problem, you know, beating my friend, and I got up there to the first uh, tee, drove my ball way past his, right in the middle of the fairway, and I'm feeling pretty good, but then the second hole, third hole, four, fourth hole, and every hole after that, I started slicing the ball. I've, al- I've always struggled with a terrible slice, and I sliced my ball into the rough, into the trees, out of, out of bounds, but my friend kept hitting the ball 150 yards, right down the middle of the fairway. And every time we played, every time he beat me. And so maybe it's time for me to start playing old man golf, old person uh, golf. But here's my point. God wants everyone to live in the middle of the fairway in life. And God says, if you obey me in these four wills, you will live in the middle of the fairway. And when you're in the fairway, the next shot, the next Step, the next decision is much easier to navigate. Yeah, look at what Paul says about this next in in, in verse 18 about how to do this. He says, He says, Understand what the Lord's will is. And then he says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Paul says, Understand and follow God's will. Start with God's will for all of us the four wills, the universal will of, of God. And then God fills you with the Holy Spirit to help you make wise, personal decisions in your individual life. Because just like in golf, when you hit your ball in the middle of the fairway, when you're in the fairway, it's easier to navigate your next shot, your next decision, your next step. But even in the middle of the fairway, you you still have to calculate the yardage to the hole. You still have to pay attention to the sand traps and the hazards and the wind. You still have to choose the right club. And we need God's personal guidance through the Holy Spirit to make wise decisions about finances and career and dating and family and friendships in every area of our life. And so I want to give you two challenges based on what Paul says in these verses. Number one, open yourself more to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, because it's not really a question of whether you have the Holy Spirit. Paul says if you follow Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. The question is, do you open yourself to the wisdom and the guidance of the Holy Spirit? Think about it like this. Imagine if you had the opportunity to play a round of golf with Tiger Woods. Man, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Can you imagine playing a game around a golf and, and Tiger Woods walks alongside you and gives you guidance and coaching and instruction and encouragement every time you swing the, the club? He's one of the greatest golfers in all of history. That would be awesome. That'd be amazing. But Paul says, if you follow Jesus, you have personal access to the person who has more wisdom about life than anybody else. You have the creator of life inside of you but you have to open yourself and listen carefully to the guidance and the wisdom of the holy spirit to make to make uh, good personal wise personal decisions notice how paul says in this verse he says be filled with the holy spirit which can be a little bit confusing uh, to us I mean, I mean why does paul say be filled with the holy spirit aren't we already filled with the holy spirit well, in the original language, this is not a one-time filling. It's not, you know, one and done. It's an ongoing, everyday filling with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I brought along a couple of balloons to help uh, illustrate that. Now, now both of these balloons are filled with air, right? They're, they're both filled. You know, take this balloon here. It's filled with air. Just like when you uh, start following Jesus, God fills you with the Holy Spirit. But this balloon is not just filled with air, this one is filled to capacity with air. And Paul tells us to open ourselves to be filled uh, with with more of the Holy Spirit, to be filled to capacity with the Holy Spirit uh, every day to guide us and make wise decisions, in our everyday lives. And look at how Paul says to do this. I find this fascinating. Uh, Paul says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from from your heart to the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Paul connects making music and singing and teaching to getting filled with the uh, Holy Spirit. In the first century church, they would gather together and they would do this. They would sing together, just like we do, in our weekend uh, services. Now they didn't probably have electric guitars and LED uh, lights and and hazers like 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 we have. But you made. I want you to know you made a great decision to join us and gather with us here today. Because one of the ways that we open ourselves to be filled with more of the Holy Spirit. Is to make music and sing songs about what God has done for us, and sing songs about the good news of Jesus. It opens us up to the Holy Spirit, and fills us with joy and peace, and wisdom, and makes us battle ready. Here's another way to open yourself more to the Holy Spirit: just make it a prayer request in your daily prayers. In fact, I've got a prayer here, and uh, I want to ask you, I want to invite you to say this out loud with me. Let's pray this prayer, prayer together on the count of three: one, two. 3. God, I am open to your Holy Spirit. Make me ever aware of your presence dwelling in me. Transform me to be more like Jesus and guide me to make wise decisions. God, I am open to your Holy uh, Spirit. We wrote that prayer on a card and we're going to have people at the door handing that out. I hope you'll take one. And pray that prayer every day and open yourself to being filled with more of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit fills you, the Spirit gives you new thoughts and new ideas and new promptings that will help you make wise uh, decisions. Nehemiah is a great example of this. Nehemiah uh, knows that God wants him to go to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls around the, the, the city. But if you go back to the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament and you read it from cover to cover, you won't find one time where God verbally tells Nehemiah to do that. Nehemiah says, I prayed to the Lord, and he put this on my heart. And one of the ways that God guides us and helps us make wise decisions is by putting a burden, a desire, a passion on your heart through the Holy Spirit. So open yourself more to the Holy Spirit. And here's a second challenge for making uh, better decisions. Deepen your wisdom pool. Deepen your wisdom pool. Paul says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. I wonder, where do you get your wisdom from? What what do you you read? What do you you listen to so that when you come to a crossroads in life, you almost automatically know what to do because you have deepened your wisdom. You have increased your, your wisdom. I came across a short video from a late night TV show where the host went around to staff and asked them to read text messages from their mothers. Yeah, just random text messages from their uh, mothers uh, just just for fun. It's a short video. I want you to watch it, and then I'll come back up and make a point. Christina, it's your mother. Where are you? I haven't heard or seen you in four days. This is not a hotel. This is a family home. You better call me back before I find your office number. Why do you have a cell if you won't answer my calls or texts? I need your office number now or I'm going to Kimmel to find you. Um, Flower emoji. Thought you'd want to see Penny McFlicker's birthday photo. who wouldn't want to see Penny McFlicker's birthday photo? Hi, honey. I had a problem with my DVR box and had a guy from Charter at the house for three hours yesterday. He was really good, checked all the lines, changed some cables, etc., and set me up so that if I got a bracket that had a shelf, the shelf could be mounted on the wall and the DVD box could sit under the TV with all the wires behind the TV. I have an outlet on the wall above the fireplace and I only need two plugs for the whole setup. We plugged the DVD into the cable box. We can talk more about it this weekend. Love you, XLXL. The colonoscopy prep is awful. That stuff you have to drink is vile. The good part is I lost four pounds, so now I'm down to 137. Yeah, I laughed at that. Uh, but the point I want to make is that for some people, uh, texting is their only source of wisdom. They send a text, they receive a text, they fiddle with their text, manage your text all day long. And, uh, you know, this is a great tool. This is an amazing Tool, but some people all they do is text, Google, scroll through social media. They don't they don't read books. They don't read scripture. They don't seek uh, wisdom from godly people, and that's why many people make major life decisions uh, based on chance or emotion or just uh, coincidence. But we have access to God's word and God's spirit and God's wisdom. I met a guy last week uh, who really inspired me. His name's Earl. He uh, owns a, a beautiful second home that he allows groups of pastors. I'm in one of these groups to, to uh, meet together in this home that he and his wife built about five years ago. And uh, he, he joined us for dinner one night. And then after dinner, he shared his story with us. And I, it caught my attention because here's how he began his story. He said, I was 52 years old living in the middle of the fairway in life. And I'm like, man, I'm talking about that this weekend. He said he followed Jesus all of his, his life, had a great marriage uh, for uh, 30 years, three kids, and a very successful career. But right after they built this beautiful home, the second home where they planned to retire early, his wife died uh, suddenly, unexpectedly. Earl felt devastated. He and his wife were very close partners in, in life. But he chose to be grateful for the 30 years of wonderful marriage that God gave him. And he turned to God for wisdom. He said he used to view scripture reading as just something on his list to check off each day. But now he wants to start his day reading and reflecting on scripture because it provides companionship with God and guidance and wisdom for his life. It also got my attention because he mentioned a book that I'm reading myself. I'm halfway through it. And if you want a good book to help you read Scripture and uh, deepen your wisdom, I would recommend this book. It's by Tim Keller. It's called God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. He goes through the Old Testament book of, of Proverbs, which is a great book of wisdom. And Earl also got more connected in his church and in a life group. Recently, they asked him to become an elder, a leader, in the church, which was a difficult decision for Earl because he wasn't sure if he was ready. But he leaned into the wisdom of godly people in his life. And they said, we all, and every one of them said, we think you're ready. And he said, yes. He went through a devastating loss four and a half years ago. But he lived in the middle of the fairway. And that made the next decision, the next step easier to navigate. And he's found joy and, and peace more than he ever imagined or ever thought he could experience again. I would say the biggest difference between people who thrive and flourish in life and those who don't, it's not talent or money or intelligence. It's wisdom that comes from God's spirit and from God's uh, word. Well, I brought along one more prop on uh, decision making. And uh, I don't know if you can see this. Um, anybody know what this is? Right here? Yeah, this is a map. Remember these? Um, yeah, those of you that are under the age of 30, yeah, this is called a map. And uh, we used to use these to find our way ar- ar- around. This caused more marriage conflict than anything else we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these things can be, remember how overwhelming these can be? You know, trying to find every little road. You know every every uh, uh, intersection, trying to get where you're uh, going, but you know this is what many people are looking for when they say, "I want to know God's will for my life." They want every detail mapped out ahead of time. They want precision. They want to avoid any uncertainty. But maps can overwhelm us, and in some places, you don't need a map. You need a guide. In life, I'll, I'll never forget, uh, a few years ago, I, I went to uh, the Holy Land, Israel, and uh, with a group from River Glen. And I'm so glad they didn't give us a map. Instead, they gave us a guide. A map would have been overwhelming. It would have uh, confused us. In fact, I took a picture of our, our guide uh, uh, taking us through downtown uh, Jerusalem. That was my view most of the week, right there. That was our view of our uh, guide. He overflowed with wisdom, and we just, we just trusted him. We just followed him. We just relaxed. And we saw everything we wanted to see. And uh, we had just a wonderful uh, time. Following Jesus is more like having a guide than a map. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't map out every uh, detail. We don't know with 100% certainty how God will work things out. But if we trust God and we live in the fair way, we can relax knowing that God is for us. And uh, he will lead us in the best way to grow, go. Uh, Proverbs chapter three, classic verse on this: Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, <clears throat> and he will make your paths straight. Put Jesus first. Live in the middle of the fairway, and God promises to guide and bless your decisions and make your paths straight. Bob Goff is a uh, New York Times best-selling author. He's also a lawyer. And a pilot and a very popular public speaker. Sometimes he'll fly himself to locations where he has a speaking engagement. But one time on the way back from speaking, he he came in to land. And when he pulled the lever for the landing gear, there's supposed to be three small green lights that uh, indicate that the tires are all down and locked in position. He said, I came in to land, but when I pulled the lever, I only had two lights come on uh, for the back wheels. There's no light for the nose gear. And he panicked. He radioed the tower, uh, the, the, the tower radioed back and said, "Do a flyby. We'll look and see if your nose gear is down, but it was too dark." And they couldn't see. Bob was stuck with two lights. After a couple of minutes, the tower said, "Are you declaring an emergency?" He said, "Yeah, this is an emergency." <clears throat> and then he wrote these words: "We all have situations like this that we're uncertain about a job, dating, a problem, a major purchase. And we're waiting for more certainty. But often it doesn't come. Isn't that true? I thought about my life and many of the decisions I've made. And, you know, I, I don't normally have 100% certainty. I, I, I usually, uh, I don't usually have 100% certainty about which option is, is, is best or, or right. I mean, God gives us freedom to, you know, go to this school or that school, date this person or that person, put money here, put money there. But at some point, you've got to make a choice. Bob says, it feels like we're up in the air with only two green lights on. But then he said this, when you have two green lights, that's usually enough. He said, when you land a plane without nose gear, you land the plane back wheels first. And life decisions are a lot like that. He says, figure out what you're sure about and put all your weight on those things. He said, I put all my weight on Jesus. Because I trust in him. I put all my weight on scripture because I trust in it. Then on the advice of a few godly people. Bob says, every day I start out with what I'm sure about. I put all my weight on those things. Bob said he approached the landing strip and he took a deep breath. He set the back wheels down and then he waited for the screeching metal and a hard crash or a gentle bump and a soft landing. He braced himself for impact and then he felt a gentle bump and a soft landing, and he lived. He said, what had me worried was a burned-out 50-cent light bulb in the dash. Yeah, all worked up, all worried over a 50-cent light bulb. So when you face a tough decision, what do you put all your weight on so that you choose wisely and land safely? Do Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you put all your trust... In Jesus Christ are you living a life of gratitude are you submitting yourself to doing what is right are you abstaining from sexual sin are you living in the middle of the fairway that makes it much easier to hear God's voice and and, and God's wisdom and it's easier to navigate the next step the next decision then you make your best decision And God promises to bless and guide you and make your paths straight. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for giving us uh, your word and and your spirit and your wisdom to guide us. God, thank you for your patience uh, with me. I know I've made so many poor decisions, unwise uh, decisions. Thank you for your forgiveness and patience with me. God, I pray that you help all of us make wise decisions to start with with your will for all of us and help us to not ignore the small decisions we make because they build to the bigger ones god we open ourselves to more of your guidance and leadership and more of your spirit and wisdom for leading our lives and it's in jesus name i pray amen